Well, I missed you all last week. Um, I was at Lee Riding's church along with Gordon Kimball, and we did a, um, we, we did a, just went down there and, and did some teaching there. Love that church. Love Lee. It's exciting. God's clearly at work there, and to go down and be able to preach there was, was fun. So anyway, it's good to be back, though. It's good to see you all. We, I, I missed you. Um, so Christine and I leave for Nairobi, Kenya tomorrow morning. Okay, so we're here holding down the fort. Amen. So you kind of are the fort. <laughs> so you're going to be holding yourself down, not, not flying away or whatever else you might do. So. Uh, we're going to miss you guys. I am going to try to work it out to where I am preaching one of those weeks while I'm gone over Zoom. I have to talk to Scott about that and see if that'll work. Um, but otherwise, um, we've got we, we've got everything set up to, to kind of just continue on with us being gone, you know, so so it's exciting. Pray for us, though. We'll be praying for you. OK, uh, the mission doesn't stop when when we do something like this, it's just an extension of what God's already doing. So Scott's going to be kind of leading stuff here for the class while we're gone. So he'd be the first guy to connect with if you need something or if something needs to get addressed. <clears throat> don't, uh, we're, we're not changing the name of the class. I mean, don't, don't I don't want to come back and <laughs> something's like, I don't know. Anyway, anyway, so anyway, we love you guys. We're going to miss you guys. Um, we'll definitely be praying for you. And, and it's just exciting to see what God's going to do. God has obviously given us a class where we're very multicultural. We've got people in here from all over the world. And, and to go and, and do this is just seems kind of natural, really. But um, anyway, so yes, Christine. Yeah, so we sent out that thing about the visas. And so praise the Lord, we've got our single entry visa. We're going to be able to get into Kenya, Lord willing. So pray, that, that is an answer to prayer and a praise for that. Please continue to pray for our five-year visa. We applied for a five-year visa because we want, we're just assuming we're going to be going back, you know, and visiting and that sort of a thing. So if that doesn't come through in the next week or so, we're going to have to do another single entry visa because we're going to go visit Wagi in Cairo from Kenya. We're going to Egypt and then we're going back and we won't get back in Kenya if that five-year visa doesn't come through. And we're going to have to do another single entry visa, which costs a bunch of money to, to do, do it. So uh, whatever, like whatever, I, I, we've kind of just quit. Like it's almost a joke at this point. <laughs> Like, oh, whatever. Okay, here, just, you know, like, whatever. Like, but, um, uh, we, neither of us speak Spanish very well. No. The question was, do we speak Spanish? So, no, we barely speak English. I mean, we're just getting by. But. Okay. Open your Bibles to Third John. So I, I missed it last week. You know, I was gone last week, but you guys covered. Third John verse nine, right? Where you talked about Diotrephes. This guy, can you believe this guy? Can you believe Diotrephes? 
he refused. He, he refused to receive the apostle John okay, out of his desire for preeminence. So here's a guy, talk about a false balance. So he knew about preeminence because he was claiming it. He was striving for it. He loved to have the preeminence. So he recognized there is such a thing, right? That guy who recognizes there is such a thing actually failed to receive the apostle. Outside of Christ, who has preeminence in the early church? It's the apostles. So here's a guy. Oh, my goodness. Talk about drama and dysfunction. Okay, so that guy, I can't, you know, unbelievable, recorded throughout all history. Oh, you're Diotrephes. I read about you. Yeah. You don't want to be that guy. Okay. Now, so Diotrephes, he's an excellent example of bad leadership. So today we're going to move on to verse 10. Wherefore, if I come, says John, the son of thunder, okay, I will remember his deeds, which he doeth, prating against us with malicious words, and not content therewith, neither doth he himself receive the brethren. And, okay, if that's not enough, forbiddeth them that would receive the brethren, and casteth them out of the church. So not only does this guy, he's speaking bad of the apostle John and his crew, but he, he fails to receive the brethren. Not only is he failing to receive traveling missionaries, he fails to receive the brethren. He would cast those who did out of the church. Okay, this is bad leadership. Diotrephes' desire for preeminence, coupled with his lack of faithfulness, left him fretful and not fruitful. You can see that. Can you see his drama, his division, how he's having to protect his position of, of preeminence? At least he's got that position in his mind. So he's having to control things, right? You guys see that, right? Okay, so we can contrast Diotrephes with Gaius, okay? And we can receive some instruction so that we don't fall into a trap of frustration when it comes to leadership and fruitfulness in the church. Okay, so listen, I'm convinced of this. There's something for everybody. I don't think any of you are like Diotrephes. Okay, I'll just say that. However, within all of us, there's a little bit of Diotrephes. Okay, there, there's, there's things that we need to learn. So what we can see today is, is there is a spiritual life hack today that we need to understand. Okay, so we're not ready for that yet. So go back. Sure, we'll just stay there. Okay. All right, I want to talk, I, I want to present two illustrations that won't probably make sense until we get to that portion, but I just want to present these two illustrations. One is an illustration of a community garden. Has anyone been part of a community garden? Yeah, a couple of people. So a community garden, there's one right just south of us, right? Right across the, the street there on 40th. So here is the idea of a community garden, is we take this empty lot, Okay, and then we're going to turn it into garden plots that people can come in and everyone can have their little section, their own little plot within this community garden, and they can grow things, whatever they want. So 
the soil is going to get conditioned. It's going to, it's, you know, I got to make sure there wasn't some dry cleaner or gas station there 20 years ago. So you got to make sure the soil's good. If it is, they till it up, they get water there, some sort of irrigation, they get the, the fertilizer, they get the soil prepared. But then what you can do is you could say, hey, I, I want one of those. So maybe this is a garden plot instead of a, a group of tables. And I'll say, I want this plot and I can come in and I can grow my tomatoes and peppers. That's all I can ever grow, okay, in my garden plot. And then someone else could take their plot and someone else. And then, so I wanted to make sure this was a good illustration. So I actually looked up community gardens. And, and so here's what the tutorial said. Well, you, you got two parts. One is the garden, which is what I just described. The other part is you have a community. So here's the community. What's the community in a community garden? Well, it's the people that come and are part of the garden. So that was pretty much the whole tutorial. Like, okay. <laughs> but it was, it was a good illustration. We'll come back to that. Here's the second illustration I want to give just by way of introduction. I walked into work my shift on Thursday and the nurses had a conversation going on. And it was this one brand new, still in nursing school nurse who was, who was getting trained. And she was, she was saying, well, maybe, maybe I got someone in my family that I don't know about who's going to die and leave me an inheritance. <laughs> she goes, I keep trying to win the lottery and I can't win the lottery. So maybe, maybe I'll get the lifestyle I want by somebody dying. Now, not like grandma, because her grandma was the clerk working. So, <laughs> but maybe there's someone I don't know about in my family. And so she's talking about how she can have a lifestyle. I think she wants to like just drive around in an RV, I think is what she wants. But you, you know, they're expensive and you got to put gas in it, insurance and food. And like, she's trying to work through how can I get the money to have this lifestyle? And she's like 20 years old, right? So I, you know, I'm like, okay, young lady, you know, and I just pull out my Dave Ramsey and, and we're just like, I'm like, no, no, that's not how you do it. Listen, here's what you do. You get a job that you don't hate. Then you don't have to get in an RV and escape your life. Just, I mean, make sure you're in the right career, but embrace it. Go to work every day and don't be miserable. Like make sure you're, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But then here's what you do. Every month you just save just faithfully. Just put away whatever you can every month. And then, you know, the magic of compounding interest. I'm just giving her like the Dave Ramsey lecture, right? Basically. Okay. Because that's, that's actually the way you, you build wealth. is not through winning the lottery. It's not through an inheritance. It's God's way is just through faithful investment over time. Be a saver, not a spender. And then lo and behold, over time, you have something, and it's actually something that grows and develops a life of its own. Okay, so those are my two illustrations as we get forward looking into Third John and exactly how that fits in. I think we'll see here in a minute, but I, I want us to contrast, okay, to compare and contrast Gaius with Diotrephes because we're now, we're several verses, like we're most of the way through this chapter here, and here's what we've seen. We know that Gaius walks in truth. We saw that in verse four, okay? He walks in truth. 
we know that Gaius is motivated by love. And, and I say love, I, I probably should have said charity because I know you probably prefer the biblical terms, but I didn't. I, I said that because we know that in verse six, John says to Gaius that the strangers which have come back after their, their trip bore witness of thy charity before the church. So he's he's motivated by love. And then here's the thing that got that Gaius functions faithfully look at verse five beloved thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and unto strangers okay so that's Gaius he walks in truth he's motivated by love he does what he does faithfully and if you look through the chat the, the verses we've read so far what you'll see is the result of all that is really good you guys he has a good reputation he brings joy to others. When others think about or talk about Gaius, they wish well upon him. It's like, man, I, I hope he prospers. I'm praying that he'll prosper just like he prospers in his soul. He's such a good guy. I hope God blesses him. I hope that guy gets to reproduce himself, right? He, 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 he's beloved. I, I wrote down belovedness. I don't think that's a real word, but you guys know what I mean. He has influence, clearly. So what we see is that, that Gaius doing well and, and what he does, he does faithfully, brings about great results. Okay, so what about us? How can we do what we do faithfully? Okay, the first thing is we have to know what it is we're supposed to be doing, right? Sometimes we'll, we'll, we'll hear a message and we'll get motivated, and, and I'm, I, I'm guilty of this. So so I'll preach a message, and then I don't give anyone anything to do in the end. It's like, okay, do well, ready, go. And it's like, well, what are we supposed to do? Okay, what are we supposed to be doing as a church? Making disciples. Okay, so that's the Great Commission. Who knows the Great Commission? Who, who doesn't know the Great Commission? Okay, so turn to Matthew 28 in your, in, in your Bibles. For us to do what we do faithfully, we have to be doing what God told us to do. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As the church, I'm saying, if we're going to be faithful, we have to be doing what we're commanded. Jesus says in verse 18, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Okay, so going and teaching, that's evangelism. Okay. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So baptism is traditionally how you join the church. That's bringing them here. So we're going to go. We're, so you're going to go to your neighbors, and I'm going to go to my neighbors. And you're going to go to your workplace, and you're going to go to your family reunion, and you're going to go on that missions trip. And we're going to go, and we're going to evangelize. We're going to bring people in. Hey, come and see, right? Come and see is valid. You may not convince somebody in four minutes over a cup of coffee. I mean, but come and see. Man, if you can give your testimony and then you relate to like, and then, hey, come, just come and check it out for yourself. Why don't you come to Midtown for a month and just see, and then they get saved the first week. Praise the Lord. Come and see. Okay, so anyway, so I got on a sidetrack. Okay, 
Go ye therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them. So that's, that's evangelism and invitation. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. What is that? Discipleship. So listen, when you lead someone to the Lord, praise the Lord. That, that's an amazing thing. The, 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 the result of that is not going to be fully realized till, till Christ returns. But man, what a beautiful thing it is. He that winneth souls is wise. But evangelism isn't the Great Commission. Evangelism is just part of it. So once people are born again, our job as a church is to disciple them. You guys see that, right? And Jesus is with us in that. He says, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Okay, so as long as we're making disciples, he's with us. And so we've got to do those things. So for us to do faithfully, yes, we need to be trustworthy. Yes, we need to show up when we said we're going to show up. That is part of being faithful, is if I said I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. If I said I'm going to be there, I'm going to be there. If I'm committed to be a part of something, I'm going to be a part of it. Like, like that, but it also has to be actually doing the thing that God commanded. Because we could be faithful to each other, but not faithful to God. No, no, it has to be the mission that God gave us. Okay, so Gaius, he... Man, what a good example. Now, Diotrephes, boo, hiss, right? Remember? Let's try it. Diotrephes, boo, hiss. Okay, he loves the preeminence. So what does that mean? He loves the preeminence. Who can tell me what that means? Okay, lording over someone else. Tim. Yeah. Okay. Not okay. That's it right there. He doesn't just want to be important. He's got to be more important than everyone else. Man, you should want to be great, but you shouldn't want to be what? Greater, the greatest. I want to be great. And Nathan says, man, good. That's, that's great. And I say, but I want to be greater than you. And Nathan's like, what the, like, what? What are you talking about, man? That's offensive, right? That's the problem with people who desire the preeminence. It's not enough that Jesus died for them and they heard the call and they were born again. They've got this new life and they've got this new purpose in Christ. They get to come in and be part of a company that says, yes, I will follow Christ with my life. Yes, I will heed the call. I will be part of a company of those that have been called out that will be a part of fulfilling the mission that God gave us. That's not enough. They got to be greater than everyone else. Okay, well, that brings with it some problems. Okay, he was motivated by self and he does what he does fretfully. Okay, I've been around pastors like this. Having to control what everybody's saying, what everybody's thinking, what everybody's doing so that the, the pastor can protect their little kingdom. And if anybody dares to raise a question like, well, what, what did you mean by that, pastor? Oh, all of a sudden they're in rebellion. They get the shun. Hey, listen, everybody, we need to shun Patrick because he's just struggling right now. He's in rebellion to God. No, he's not. He just had a legitimate question. He, you know what I'm saying? There's, there's like this controlling thing that comes out of fretfulness because people just, they want to protect their kingdom and all that kind of stuff. So 
Diotrephes gets evil results. Look at, look at, look at this. In verse 10, he prates, prating, that's like he, he's talking evil against John and his crew with malicious words. Malice is when you want something bad to happen to someone else. That's his motivation. And not only is he content with that, he does not receive the brother and he forbids them that wouldn't cast people who just want to do what God told them to out of the church. Why? Because they're not going along with what he's saying. You guys see this? You see the drama and the dysfunction and the division? God forbid, you guys, that we would ever fall into a trap where we're more concerned about our place in the ministry than we are about souls. And we would be a cause of division, dysfunction, and drama. Man, excluding one another, talking bad about one another, shunning each other. We are, man, we're going to lock the door and shut this thing down before we're going to become a ministry like that. Lord, keep us humble. Okay, here's a funny thing. Number three in your handout. The funny thing is that Gaius, through faithfulness, got what Diotrephes strived for, but, but could not get. Okay, turn with me to Proverbs. Look in your Bible at Proverbs chapter 28. Because that, Gaius had the good reputation. Gaius had the influence. Okay, check out what John said. He's like, I wrote under Diotrephes. He didn't receive us. Okay, which book in your Bible is that? Is, it, is there a fourth John? I mean, we've got a letter to Gaius, third John. We've got a letter to the elect lady, that's second John. We've got a letter to Philemon. You've got a letter to Titus. You've got a letter to Timothy and his tw twin brother, second Timothy, right? Where's the letter to Diotrephes in this book? This guy who wants the preeminence, this guy who wants the reputation, the guy that wants the influence and the leadership position. You know, if he maybe would have received him, maybe we would have the letter to Diotrephes in the Bible. But out of his selfish ambition and desire, he actually, Gaius, through just simple faithfulness, is the guy that ends up with the book written to him, the guy with the reputation, the guy with the, you guys see that? Proverbs 28, verses 19 and 20. He that tilleth his land shall have plenty of bread, but he that followeth after veins per, vain persons shall have poverty enough. Okay, so you, you go out, you work your ground, you plant your seed, you're going to grow grain, you can bake your bread, right? Because you did that. If you follow after vain persons, so these are people who want things, but they're not tilling the ground. They're empty. There's nothing there. They just, they're talking, but there's nothing of substance. They, they're going to be hungry. Verse 20. A faithful man, there's Gaius, shall abound with blessings. But he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent. Okay, so, so you know what Diotrephes wants? He wants a bunch of people to follow him. He wants to be in leadership. He wants the position of authority to be above everyone else. You know what Gaius is doing? He's just faithfully doing whatever the Lord's telling him to do. He's just faithful and that's what he does. Okay, so, so, so check out this picture. The, the pastor of the church, which just died, 
comes knocking on our door at Midtown and says, hey, listen, I, I need a, I'm at the end of my career. I've got a lot of things to teach. I've got some resources. I just need you to bring me on as a staff pastor here so that I can have some people to preach to. That happens. We got people that come and say, hey, do you need a youth pastor? Do you need a missions pastor? Hey, listen, I'm looking at your church and you've got hundreds of people that have gathered here. I want to come and I want to listen to this. They don't say this, but this is what they're doing. I would like to build upon another man's labors and I'd like to give I'd like you to give me the people that you've prayed for and wept over and won to the Lord and discipled. I'd like you to give them to me so I can be in leadership over them. And guess what we tell them? Man, bless your heart. Thank you for your years of service to the Lord, but we don't do it that way here, okay? Nothing wrong with someone like, you know, but but... There is something wrong with it. Okay. You just want the the someone else's fruit. Yeah, so like what about in 2005? Where were you then? Nobody was knocking on our door in 2005 saying, "Mike, can I help you carry that sound equipment from KCBT?" Where I mean, how many people came and said, "Mike, can I have your job?" Nobody wanted it because it was nothing but hard work. It was nothing but tilling the ground and planting seed and praying for rain, right? Okay, so check this out. People that are looking for a leadership position. Now, listen, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desires a good thing. It is good that you would want a leadership position in the church. But here's main point number one. Those who strive or pine for leadership in the church, do not understand it. Because you actually don't get a leadership position in the church by striving for a leadership position in the church. Well, I don't know how come they won't make me a Bible study leader. It's like, well, okay, you don't understand how it works. Well, I don't understand why they won't give me someone to disciple. Well, you no, okay, hang on. I know that does happen, you know, but but you have to understand there is this process in place. Okay, so Paul said, you know, yea, so I strive to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's labors. Paul actively worked to build his own ministries, Okay. Well, we should do the same thing. And, and here's the key takeaway number two, just faithfully invest over time. If you want wealth, do not buy lottery tickets. Don't bet and, and, and just gamble. No, listen, faithfully invest over time. That's God's program. Don't be hasty to be rich. Just simply invest in something regularly over time. Okay, living well class, listen. I can't wait to see what God's going to do through you. I, I can't wait. I'm so excited for this. But what's going to happen is this ministry is going to grow as we simply do what? Win the lottery? Hope the church next door goes down so we get an influx and 
we inherit a bunch of people? No. Okay, here's where our illustrations come together. Here's your seed plot. There it is. We Okay, so a community garden is one garden, but it's a whole bunch of different gardeners. Okay, so takeaway number three, living well class needs to become the garden in which your fruit grows. As you simply faithfully invest over time, as you plant the seeds, as you evangelize, as you invite, as you bring people in, as you make disciples, okay, what's going to happen is in time, your evangelism is going to turn into discipleship. In time, that person you are praying for and you are reaching out to, you're inviting or you're winning them to Christ, in time, that friendship, that relationship is going to turn into discipleship. And it's not going to happen every time, is it? No, but that's what's going to happen over time if we're faithful in our invitation and evangelism. Now, if we're not faithful in our invitation and evangelism, guess what? We're going to be a pretty lousy community garden, you know, because we don't have any gardeners. And, and you know what we're going to be saying is, well, how come our fellowship isn't growing? How come? Okay, so... We're going to do an inventory. I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you when we get there. Okay. So in time with faithfulness, your small group will become your small group. Okay, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, in time, as you evangelize, as you invite, as people come, what's going to happen is they're going to gather together with you in this place as you make living well the place where you can't do where you can do what you can't do in there and you can't do by yourself and that is have a garden plot within this garden so your small group eventually is going to like this happened in over here in this table okay so if you're listening online I'm, I'm pointing at a table okay so so this table when the Arabic fellowship expanded. Some of you got displaced a couple of weeks ago, right? I don't know about last week. Well, he's gone right now. We're not. But what happened? The Arabic fellowship grew and it kind of took over that area and people had to move because they're only speaking Arabic over there. That small group, Wagi small group became Wagi small group. Why? Because I gave Wagi a leadership position because he's a pastor? No, because he's fruitful through re reaching out, through evangelism, through invitation, through discipleship. His small group is becoming his small group. Does that make sense? So here's an empty table. If, if, if I start doing better at invitation and evangelism, which I need to, and eventually some of the people come, and we're gathered together here, that my group is going to be my group. It's, does that make sense? You guys understand what I'm saying? In time, you're going to need to get trained in leadership because you'll have people following you. When your small group gets too big for your table and you have to divide up, 
you're going to have to hand that off to somebody. You're going to have to make sure that leader knows what they need to know. When your Bible study gets much bigger, Scott, you're going to probably have to start talking about splitting it up into two. Tim, your men's Bible study, what is it, 11 people? 11 people. If that continues to grow much more, you're getting to the point where people don't get a chance to share because the Bible study is too big. And if people don't have a chance to share, you're going to need to divide up your Bible study. Well, guess what that means for you, Tim? Leadership training. You're going to have to train that next person to take over that Bible study. So all of this happens. Why? Because you're lucky and someone gave you a position. No, no, no. You were fruitful through faithfulness. You guys see this? This is God's plan and economy for us. Here's the trap. Well, I don't know why my fellowship isn't growing. I don't know why my Bible study isn't growing. I don't know why they don't give me someone to disciple. I don't know why my small group is always so lousy. Well, you know, I do. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's not because of a lack of leadership skill. It's not because someone hates you. It's not because you're being picked on. It's because of this. We're not faithful in all our doings. We're missing the mark somewhere. So what I have, what I have is in terms of our small group discussion, look at your handout. How faithful am I anyway in these areas that God has given us to do in terms of the Great Commission? So I left off there attendance in our services. I, I should have probably put that on there because if you don't ever come to the garden, or you don't come to the garden regularly, it's going to be pretty much impossible for you to faithfully invite others to come evangelize and, and, and get going in your small groups. But, but uh, you can add that in. Evangelism, discipleship, prayer, Bible study, and your quiet time. So, you know, we have to have the quiet time. That has to come first. That's your personal relationship with God. But then in these other areas, if we're just, if, if we're not fruitful, it's because we're just not faithful in one of these areas because we never did a self-assessment, maybe. So I did a self-assessment. Living well in service attendance, I'm a rock star. I'm like 10. Discipleship, have I moved forward in discipleship according to MBT structure for it? Man, yes, like 10. Prayer services, 10. Quiet time, 10. Okay, but then it's like, Am I part of a faithful, part of a living well class Bible study? Well, no, I'm not. Because see, we started this one up north, like, like on the slide there, but then they, the, the one couple who hosted it moved up to Montana, so we put it on hold, and now Aaron and Jenny are, and, and, and it's like, well, we're not, I'm not really a faithful part of a living well class Bible study. Huh. How about that? So I've got to do a little self-assessment, don't I? Evangelism. Well, I do great, like preacher type evangelism. Out in the community, at the gas station. Okay, I'm not I'm not handing out invitation cards to everyone I meet as if like if I went to plant a church and it's like we got like we would be all about it. That's all we would ever do is evangelize and invite, right? I'm not I'm not like I mean, I, I, like I said, I do fine here, but that's not really evangelism, is it? That's not going and inviting in evangelism. I'm going to just throw it out there. If you're fairly mature in your faith, you've been with us a long time, I'm guessing this is your weak spot. 
guessing this is your weak spot, is evangelism. Some of you are really good at evangelism. Okay, you, you may need to move forward in discipleship. That may be where you're at. It's like, man, I just, you know, it's a big commitment. It is, yes. The cost of discipleship class is designed to half scare you to death. Just because there's spiritual attack coming, you need to know it's going to be hard. Okay, so anyway, what I want you to do in your small groups is just kind of work through this. Do an assessment, see where you're at. We want to be fruitful, amen? We want to be faithful, amen? Okay, so let's just see how faithful we are in these areas. Talk about it in your small groups, and then just see if you can't get that mental image as, like, we want to be a garden where God and his people meet together, and we have to see if you can get that image of, of you having a garden plot within our community garden and work through that too. So, Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Um, Lord, I just pray for everybody here and for the people listening online. And, and we, we really do want to be functional and fruitful as a fellowship. We don't want to just hold services. God, we're desperately in need of your spirit for unction and anointing. But at the same time, we also know that we need to be faithful. So, Lord, help us to be faithful in evangelism. Uh, Lord, help us to be faithful in, in moving forward in discipleship or, you know, baptism or, or prayer attendance, like, like whatever it is, God, we just, we just want to buy in and do things your way. We love you. We thank you in Jesus name. Amen.